What's going on you guys and welcome back to the channel. If you're new here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our investing academy as that first link down below. But today's gonna be another one of these off the cuff discussion style videos. I know you do like them from time to time where it's a little more raw, it's a little more uncut. And I just get to kind of speak my mind and talk about a variety of topics. And today in particular, what we're gonna be covering is my current outlook on the market in particular answering things like, do I think we're in a bubble? Do I think the stock market is gonna crash this year? Because I've been getting a lot of questions on that. In fact, I was actually on the phone with somebody today asking me that exact question that they've been hearing a lot about a, a coming market crash. So we'll touch on all of that. I will be sharing with you as well a mistake that I made in 2020. Looking back, I was able to kind of say, what was my biggest mistake of 2020? And I've assessed what that was. And I wanna share with you the very powerful lesson that I learned from that. And then I do wanna finish this video off with my investment strategy for 2021, because now that it's the new year, I've had a moment to rethink my strategy. And I have set actually a couple new goals in this current environment that I think would be very applicable to a lot of viewers out there. So if you enjoy, take a moment to give this video a thumbs up. I would really appreciate that. As always, we do have our Investing Academy down below. But I wanted to start today's video off with actually a quote that I've been thinking about lots these days. And the quote goes something along the lines of, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. This was a quote that was made famous by a man of the name John Maynard Keynes. This was a man that actually had a lot of, a lot of the way we view things today influenced by John Maynard Keynes. And this was one of his most popular quotes. And I think it remains very, very true today. In fact, looking at the market right now, I think what I'm noticing is that making money right now in the stock market is too easy. It's too easy to make money. I know people don't wanna hear that, but if you just take a moment to be realistic and look around at the types of returns we're seeing, not only on like the penny stocks and the speculative companies, which are clearly doing well, but even some of the blue chip companies, like some of the boring old blue chip companies, I can think of a number by name, but some that popped to mind, like even companies like we touched on Carrier was up 200%. This is a, this is a, a company that makes HVAC air conditioning units. Like a lot of these boring old companies are doing extreme numbers. I get it that we're coming out of a, of a little market crash, let's call it. One of the quotes that I think very much applies to right now, this is something my dad always likes to say is that, a rising tide lifts all boats. I truly do believe that. There's the, I know Graham Stephan, if you watch YouTube a lot, he's doing a video right now with a monkey picking, uh, a blind monkey picking stocks. And there's a saying, or there's a, a study going that even a monkey could outperform, you know, in a, in a bull market. And I think that's very true. And I think that's what we need to assess right now is that we are in one of those phases. It's not, uh, it's not to take anything away from investors who are doing well right now. I don't want you to feel bad that your investments are doing well because you shouldn't. Uh, but especially if you're a new investor, and this applies to me as well, I think we need to bring it back to reality and understand that maybe it's not so much you making great selections out there or that you've got the, you've got the perfect touch in the market. It's more or less that when we are in a phase of optimism like we are, and there is so much upwards pressure in the market, anything you touch can do very well in the stock market. And I think that's what we need to realize because what I think I'm seeing right now, and this is where it kind of transitions into my thoughts on the bubble and if the market's gonna crash and whatnot, across the board, I'm starting to feel like a lot of investors, particularly new ones, are starting to get overconfident with their selections. And this is actually quite common. This is a natural bias 
as a human being, I believe it's called uh, the hot hand fallacy or a gambler's fallacy. You can call it what you want, but it's the tendency to look at what has done well in the past in the near past and expect that to continue going on into the future. This happens really in anything in life, but especially in the stock market. And you may be thinking to yourself that you know all the best SPAC stocks and you know all the best petty stocks because you've done very well, especially if you're just getting into the market. And that to me is kind of these signs that we may be heading towards some trouble. And I've said that time and time again on this channel, but I'm reading a book, I actually bought it with me, it is the it's a very good book. If you haven't read this book, I would highly suggest it. I'm very much enjoying it. It's called The Snowball and it's a book on uh, Warren Buffett. A lot of great lessons in here. And I'm on a chapter right now where we're talking about the tech bubble. And the tech bubble was of course leading up to the early 2000s when internet was gaining popularity. You had a lot of companies getting involved with the techie side of things. And in general, technology companies grew to astronomical levels. They were growing like crazy. They were trading at crazy multiples. They were making a lot of people money. Don't get me wrong. This was a fiery time to be in the market until of course it wasn't until of course the market corrected and crashed. And really one of the exact, uh, examples, Buffett uses in this book is that through 1990 to 2000, the NASDAQ, which is really a technology index at the end of the day, or highly comprised of technology stocks, it grew from an index level of 500 to 5,000 over a decade long period before dropping close to or actually above 80%. And there's actually a couple very valuable takeaways from that lesson, because I'm not trying to compare apples to apples today and uh, the tech bubble. I think that's actually quite different times, although there are similarities. I actually draw a lot of similarities to the mindset that, you know, back in the day, everyone said the internet is revolutionary. It's going to change the world. And the way we see things is now different, right? This time is different. You're getting those same types of talks about electric vehicles for one, right? And I guess I'll touch on that right away. There's nothing to say that electric vehicles are not going to change the world. And I will go on record and say, of course they are. There's, you'd be silly not to, uh, see what is going on, this shift in this transition from old, st old style combustion engines to electric battery vehicles today that are good for our planet and good for our economy. There's no question about that. And hence why we're seeing some great performance in some of these companies. But this is actually a very close comparison to the tech bubble when the internet was up and running and companies like Amazon and Cisco and Microsoft we're trading at insane multiples. Now, again, there was actually a fundamental, there was an underlying revolutionary product at the end of the day. No one's here to argue that, you're, you're, you're dumb. If you're arguing that the internet wasn't revolutionary and that companies like Amazon and Microsoft weren't gonna change the world, because they did, but these stocks in and of themselves dropped about 95% during this same period. Let that sink in for a second. The company that you own in your portfolio today, Microsoft or Amazon, dropped 95%, not because the internet wasn't gonna change the world, not because it wasn't a great technology, as we know it is today, but simply due to the fact that these bubbles can form when there's so much optimism and there's so much hype and there's so much pressure driving up these companies. In fact, what's an insane statistic to look at is that Microsoft as a company, I believe it was about 17 years 
before they actually reach their previous peaks. And of course, Microsoft's done extremely well now, but if you would have bought in at these peaks or at around these levels, you would have waited a 17-year period before reaching pre- like previous highs. And that's, again, assuming you just invested a lump sum, et cetera, et cetera. But what's crazy about that is that throughout this actual period, if you actually looked at it, Microsoft was growing their earnings year after year after year. The company itself was performing actually well. And we know, I mean, every computer out there was running Windows. And this was clearly a, a major advancement of time for uh, technology companies, Microsoft, Amazon included. But it still took a 17-year period to recover your losses if you were buying it at the peak. So to bring that back to where we stand today, and we have a lot of our favorite companies trading at rich valuations. We have a lot of people in the market making easy money. This to me, do I believe we're at a like the levels of a tech bubble? Not quite yet, because that was something insane. If you look back at any sort of uh, data, or even talk to anybody that's lived through that, I obviously haven't, but anybody that has, that was an insane period of time. That said, I think we're starting to get there. And I think what a lot of investors will realize is that making money in the stock market is not this easy. And Mr. Market has a way of bringing things back to a mean, bringing things back to a a level. And that's why if you look back historically, the market has averaged what it has. There's, I mean, even if you looked at even some of the great investors who average, you know, 15% returns, take even a Peter Lynch, who on on the high end of things, this is one of the best growth investors that we've ever seen to date, Peter Lynch. He averaged a 30% rate of, ter- of return on his fund or the Magellan Mutual Fund. Some people are making over 100%. They're doubling their investments in a month's time with a lot of the companies out there. So to me, that's a little bit overkill. And I do believe that things will resort back to the mean whenever that is. I, I know I'm dragging this on, so I will, I'm going to move on to the next topic right now. But the one final thing that I wanted to mention about this tech bubble comparison was that in this decade that led up to the pop of the tech crash. This was about a 10 year period that stocks continued to go up and continued to gain momentum and continued to power on a decade long of stocks performing well. And that's why really when we look at where we are today, do we think the market's gonna crash right now? I don't know the answer to that. First of all, if you wish, I, I wish I knew the answer to that, but I don't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. Buffett doesn't have a crystal ball. Like that's, nobody knows. And we'll talk about in a second our strategy, how to combat with that. But the reality is that these run-ups can take time and we can live in an overvalued market for actually a far longer, again, bringing us back to that, uh, the quote that we started this video off with, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So just picture that. It's definitely something that we wanna just keep in the back of our mind that these periods of growth and these periods of uh, disdain, if things go poor, they can last long, long, long times. And that's the world of the stock market for you. But I want to progress on to actually now a very embarrassing lesson, a very embarrassing lesson that relates to that. And this is actually my biggest lesson over 2021. And you can feel free to laugh. You can feel free to leave a comment down below. I don't care. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. But one of my biggest takeaways from 2020 was that I actually owned Tesla for a little while. Believe it or not, I know I don't really talk about Tesla all too much, but I had actually entered it with uh, an attempt to make a shorter term play. Like, let's call it a swing trade with money that I was okay being a little more aggressive with. And I ended up selling my Tesla shares for a 36% profit. And that just hurts to say out loud. Like that, 
that hurts to say out loud. Tesla Ken's probably laughing at me right now. But um, yeah, a 36% profit, which in any other year I'd be quite happy with. If I went into a position and said, listen, I'm going to buy this stock for a two, three month holding period and I'm going to sell it for a 36% gain, I'd say, awesome. Let's, let's run with that. But in this environment that we're living in, what I took away from that mistake, I can call that a mistake right now, looking at how Tesla has done, despite my true feelings about the company, despite how I do still believe it's overvalued, what I learned from that, especially being in a situation like we are in today, in this world, in this environment, you sometimes need to participate in those gains, even if you feel it is not right. And uh, basically, when I look at it, if I look at the opportunity cost in terms of how much money I left on the table, that is thousands upon thousands of dollars that I lost out on. And I could picture that as I lost that money. Uh, Again, maybe that's okay. I can live with that because it falls in line with my strategy and I had a plan to come in and out. But the point being is that even if the market is overvalued, even if stocks are overvalued and companies that you own are trading at high multiples, Again, bringing it back to what I said with the tech bubble, sometimes these growth periods can last years and years and years. Decades, not decades, but let's say a decade of strong growth. And how foolish is it to sit out on the sidelines because you're just waiting for the markets to correct and waiting for them to crash. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't say, personally, I wouldn't be buying Tesla at these levels, but given my entry point, which I had it at, I I would have been rolling if I decided to run with the stock. And really one of the key lessons that I want you guys to take away from this is, I'll make sure I get the sentence right here that I wrote down in my notes. Um, Yeah, this would be a very important takeaway. One of the things that I think remains very true in a market like today. You can be right with your thought processes and how you're viewing the market, but being right too early can be wrong. And I'll let that sink in for a second. You can be right that the markets are overvalued. You can be right that Tesla stock is trading at an insane multiple and it shouldn't be there. And although you may be right, if you're right too early, you're wrong. And that's the lesson that I learned with Tesla. And Tesla was, I mean, that's just a case that I was looking at. That almost tells a bigger picture. That is like an amplified version of maybe this overall market where, yeah, I am not liking the things that I'm seeing. I am not liking the types of returns that people are making because it's too easy and I don't think that will last. But if you are trying to take a stance too early on that and if you make uh, moves like stepping out of the market or taking profits too early, you are wrong by not participating in that. So let that sink in for a second. And that's really the approach that I'm taking with me into 2021, which we can now progress on into my strategy that I've really revisited because yeah, Going into the new year, again, let's keep in mind, when I say this is my strategy, I'm a 25-year-old who's got a nice little appetite for risk. I'm fine with taking my ups and downs. This may not be the case if you're a 60-year-old or a 65-year-old with you know, retirement right, on the, the, right around the corner. So do keep that in mind. But for me personally, despite being in a market that we may feel is overvalued, despite companies that we own up ma- massive percentages, if the market is gonna continue to push up, I am going to continue to invest. I can personally handle, in my situation, for my strategy, to live out a pretty substantial downturn. And again, to revisit the tech bubble, which I don't think we're at levels like that, can you imagine living through a 17-year period before our investments reach previous highs? I don't think I don't think a lot of people can really realize that. You could look at it on paper, but to picture 17 years, that's like 
that's like almost my entire life. Not really, because I'm 25. But that is, if we saw that again, I'd be, I'd be in my 40s by the time markets uh, picked up. Or let's say we looked at the NASDAQ and we saw a similar case. But you get what I'm saying. For my given case, because I have a little bit of extra cash available, for example, I have some cash set aside that if the market crashes for me, I would love that. That's something I would love to see. In fact, one of the questions I got on the phone with someone said, well, how do you approach the stock market? Uh, How do you approach this market crash that's coming? I said, bring it on, bring it on with open arms. Because if you have the cash available to deploy, if you have a little bit of reserves on the side, wouldn't we love stock uh, stock multiples to come back down and for our prices to get a little more realistic? Wouldn't we love that for the long term on our good quality companies like our Apples and our Microsofts and whatnot? They're not going out of business even if the market does crash unless something really crazy happens to our world, which in that case, I think we have bigger things to worry about. But assuming the market were to crash in 2021, I would invite that with open arms because I have some more money to deploy into the markets. And actually one of the targets that I set, which is actually quite high for me, is that within my portfolio, I have a soft target in 2021 of hitting 15, uh, 10 to 15% in cash, which is for me quite high. I know people will often have different amounts. And my philosophy, as you guys know, is that time in the market, most of the time beats time in the market, pretty much all the time. Timing the market beats timing the market. That I think is a very true statement over long periods of time for 99% of investors out there. And if we were to look at the different market cycles, and if we were to assess where we are in the market or in our economic cycle or how the market's functioning, I would say that 85% of the time, we want to be fully invested. There are times where we want to actually double down and get more involved. There are times where we want to scale back. And 2021 is one of those unique times, again, factoring everything I've talked about, the comparisons to the tech bubble, uh, all these little stocks doing really, really well, and all these new investors kind of flooding into the market. This is a time where I'd actually like to increase my cash position. And the way that I plan to do that is, first of all, it's the new year, so we all get new space in our registered accounts. So here in Canada, $6,000 worth of TFSA space. And then obviously we're getting some more RRSP room. If you did still have your job through the pandemic, that's a very clear option, which um, I'm personally going to be basically popping those in to hit those caps or that additional space. Secondarily, I may be looking to trim some stocks. And I know this actually goes against what I said, how I kind of want to let my investments run because we don't know how this is going to go. But there are certain stocks for me that have really done well. And again, no, this is actually, this is kind of contradictory to what I, to what I was just saying earlier. Now that I say it out loud, because I talked about how I actually want to participate in this market. And and that's, I I still do. I still plan to, I'm going to invest as if everything was just fine. In fact, I'm the main takeaway from this strategy component is that I'm going to continue investing as normal with an additional bump up in my cash balance. I would be okay targeting 10 to 15%. A lot of that will come from additional money to my portfolio, but I may also take some profits on stocks that I think have done grossly well and that may be uh, time for trimming. Not necessarily I'm going to sell out of all these positions and whatnot, but again, given where we are in our world and our market, I feel like that's the prudent thing to do. We don't want to sit on the sidelines. We just want to continue investing, but almost prepare for what may happen because if the markets did crash in 2021, which is an actual possibility, we are prepared. We have some capital to deploy. Um, Again, we could pop in more money if we have that available to us. 
And if the markets continue to push on, which again could be a very realistic possibility in this irrational market, we are still participating. So that I think, guys, is my, that's my kind of speaking my mind out. That's a, that's a mind vomit uh, of just what has been, uh, you know, my thoughts on strategy, my thoughts on the market and my thoughts on bubbles and whatnot. At the end of the day, like, would I be doing anything drastic? I, I never suggest doing anything drastic. That's the whole point of having uh, a solid plan and a solid foundation. This really, times like these really emphasize the importance of having a properly constructed portfolio. Because if you're all invested in speculative companies and high-risk penny stocks, I mean, good for you, you're doing well now. I think the data suggests, I think the numbers show that that is not a sustainable way to invest over long periods of time. And you may be, you may argue against that and that's fine, that's your opinion. But to me, if we have a portfolio that is balanced correctly, and when I say balanced correctly, I'm talking about the different assets. You have assets that are relative to your age, your risk tolerance, your outlook. If you're invested in good quality companies, like I said, the Apples of the world and, uh, you know, the Walmarts and all sorts of companies I can think about, they're not going anywhere. They're going to be just fine even if a market crashes. But getting yourself prepared now is the best thing that you can do to handle an upcoming crash. I guess that'll be our final takeaway for the video. If you guys have any thoughts and opinions, you can feel free to leave a comment down below. And in fact, I'd encourage that. Let me know your thoughts down below. Do you guys think we are headed for something worse? Um, if you guys enjoyed today's video, I would really appreciate it if you took a moment to give it a thumbs up because that really does help. And uh, if you're sticking around this long, thank you everybody for 100,000 subs. We, we did it. We did it. I think I'm going to do an actual dedicated video for that because this is like, this is not a milestone that I want to take lightly. This is a, we ticked it off. This is a life goal that has just been ticked off. So I want to thank each and every one of your supports, all of your supports so far and into the future. So that's just a little thing that I just, you know, want to say. And uh, if you made it this far in the video, I appreciate you sticking around. But that's it for today's video. As always, we do have our investing academy. So if you want courses and training here in the stock market, click the link down below right here in Canada. Only if you're Canadian. Uh, you can learn more about what we have to offer. But yeah, that's that first link down below. As always, I thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for everything. And I hope you enjoyed today's video.